like to welcome you to See Beyond, a podcast in which we meet people who tell us how they see beyond their visual impairment. Before we get started today, I would like to remind you that you can tune in to See Beyond on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, or even our website. Today, I am here with Richard Rueda, an individual with amazing advice who's going to tell us more about his story. How are you doing today? Uh, good afternoon. I'm doing fine. I'm looking forward to uh, being interviewed and talking to you about a little bit of who I am and what, what I do. Yeah, no, I'm very excited too. So do you want to just hop into the questions? Yeah, let's, let's, let's go for it. All right. So firstly, could you tell us a little bit about your visual impairment? Yeah. So um, again, my name is Richard Reva and I've been legally blind all my life. I'm 46 years old and um, at birth I was born with congenital glaucoma which essentially meant I had glaucoma from birth which isn't too rare or which is kind of rare I should say I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost vision in my left eye uh, within six months of birth and um, throughout my life I've struggled with glaucoma in my right eye. Cornea, deta- cornea uh, replacements and retina detachments in my right eye and to this date, I, I have some residual vision, which I'm very fortunate. I've actually gone blind completely in my right eye, and having already been blind in my left eye, I've been totally blind a few times in my life. So I know what it's like being completely blind and being what we call partially sighted or low vision. Oh, interesting. So I, I'm actually really curious. How does that work? Like, how do you become partially like partially blind for some parts of your life and then get your vision back? Well, so all my life I've been partially sighted or partially or low vision. You can use that. Um, and over the years, I have had complications in my right eye with what I have had remaining vision in my right eye. And uh, because of complications with the retina being detached and the cornea, having to get a cornea transplant in my right eye, I have lost vision. Um, most recently, eight years ago in 2012, I I went blind for six months because I woke up one oh. out of the blue. I lost all the vision in my right eye. So when you close your eyelids and you see, that's all you see is you see the back of your eyelids. That's what I saw for six months until they were able to go in there and reattach my retina and put it on a new cornea. Oh, wow. Uh, to this day, I have restrictions. Like I can't lift anything over 25 pounds, or I shouldn't go on roller coasters at amusement parks. Not that really anyone is doing it right now, but yeah. rattle my head. I shouldn't. I, part, you know, I should avoid. Yeah, no, that's that's incredibly interesting. So, yeah. kind of shifting the topic here, I wanted to ask, what are you passionate about? You know, a lot of things. So I've, I've made my career uh, working with students, young adults, teenagers who are blind and low vision and disabled themselves. So a lot of what I do is motivational in, uh, influ- in, in motivational presentations, really influencing young people who are blind or disabled to really get them to think outside of their bubble, outside of what they currently know to be often they are the only ones who are blind or low vision who in their school or in their community. So I connect them to other people 
so that they can support each other and really be motivated to go out and, and uh, get a career and, and work hard to get a job. Uh, the unemployment rate of people who are disabled and blind are very is, is very low, is very high. It's over 70%. So one of my goals in life is to help people achieve their potential by getting them to think outside the box and, and attaining those goals. My second passion is, is uh, as you are aware, and my notes is I like to do things outdoors. I like to swim. I like to hike. I like to walk with my dog and just be active. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk about um, you being active first, and then we can um, kind of transition and make our way over. So um, many individuals with visual impairments feel socially isolated when they go outside due to their restricted vision. So I wanted to ask, what do you do to prevent social isolation, if you have any, and um, when you go out and, let's say, hike or play ball or whatever, swim, you know? And that's a very good question. And, and some of the things that I do to stay active and avoid social isolation is I, I do have a small group of friends like myself who are sighted and who are blind and we do things together. So I try to find people in my life who are, have similar likes so we can say, hey, let's go hiking this weekend or let's go for a swim. Oh. <laughs> um, when they are busy working or doing other things, I, I do have a guide dog. I 80 pound black Labrador and so he and I will go for long walks in fact this morning we walked a few miles before wow. I, um, I'm gonna be going swimming later at a friend's house yeah, everything's social distancing right now in this day and age so anything I can do outdoors to stay active especially in the summertime I'm all for it so I, I try to find people I associate with and or I have my white cane and I just Perceive confidence. You have to be confident when you're out there in the world. You have to have your head up, your shoulders back, and know that you belong in the world. And just because you have a disability doesn't mean you can't access those things. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people do struggle with confidence. So I think what you said is very important of finding people who lift you up and help you feel confident. You know, find a group of people who you can relate with too. A lot of user groups out there, a lot of meetup groups, a lot of things online where you can initiate the conversation and say, hey, I have similar interests. How about you? And then, by the way, I'm, I am blind. I, I'd like to find an activity partner, if you will, and let's do these things together. And sometimes that's all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, do you face any physical obstacles while doing the things that you love, like swimming or playing ball? And how do you overcome them? I think for me, it comes down to transportation. So many times I go to the outdoors. I want to go up to Lake Tahoe. I want to go kayaking. And finding someone to go kayaking with and or getting there, transportation is hard because the, the public bus won't go up into the mountains or the lo- local transit system, light rail, subway won't go there. So it, that's the hardest part of accessing the the real deep woods, the outdoorsy stuff that I really want to do. I can do hiking. I can go swimming any day of the week. But if I want to go kayaking or go to the lake or do water sports that's outside of town, that's where I have to be creative and, and find people to do those things with. Okay. And, like, as for transportation, is there anything specific that you use that helps you? Like any specific companies or – like Uber or? It would have to be creative. I would have to find someone who does Uber who would be willing to drive me an hour up into the mountains. But then it would be 
could I get them to pick me up three or four hours later? And mm -hmm. in those rural areas, it's hard to get Uber or Lyft to pick you up. Yeah. So um, sometimes you can take Amtrak or Greyhound to some of those oh. isolated areas. And then from there, you could get a local taxi in, in, in town, one of the smaller towns to take you. But you really have to be creative and you really have to want to do it. And if drive is there, nothing's going to stop you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as for hiking, um, as you were mentioning, are there any specific trails that you prefer to go on? Um, for me, because often I'll do it by myself, I, do, I go hiking on trails near the American River here in Sacramento. Trails that are well groomed so that if I trip and fall, I'm not going to hurt myself big time versus if I was going hiking up in the mountains where there's lots more cliffs and, and, and switchbacks and, and more rugged, I would be less willing to go by myself. So when I go hiking yeah. locally, I keep it very urban, very, keep it close to a public access point. So if I, my, if I get injured, if my dog gets injured, I can call for help immediately. Okay. And I, I want to get, like, learn about your guide dog more. Could you tell us more about your guide dog and how um, your guide dog helps you do activities outside? Yes, yeah, so I have an 80 pound black Labrador. His name is Odif, O D I F. Now, if you spell that backwards, Ida, F I D O. He and I have been working together for six years, and so um, he's a great dog. He loves to play when he's not in harness. He loves to play just like any other dog. But when you put that harness on him, he is a working dog. He His job is to get me around obstacles or to identify. Uh, barriers in my path so if there's a step going up or down he will stop at the at the edge of that step and then it's up to me to put my foot forward to detect if it's an upward step or a downward step same thing with curves on the street and there's another thing called um, intelligent disobedience so your dog is trained to really follow your commands and your mm -hmm. commands if you are crossing a street it's really quiet but then one of those hybrid cars comes along that you can't always hear and street and my dog knows that car's coming but i can't hear it he will block me he'll block, he'll cross in front of me and he'll he'll say no it's not cross." and he can't see when the light's red or green he can't tell yeah. it's more of him and i working in combination together and he's really good at that he's, he's really helped me especially in areas where it's quiet and then one of those hybrid cars comes along it's mm -hmm. great wow so it's called intelligent disobedience correct that's such an interesting concept. I haven't um, thought um, Because they get trained, they get socialized for a year, and then they get trained for three months back at the school that they were born into by uh, adults who are, their whole entire job is to train their dogs to get your obstacles. And they do one thing called a traffic check so that uh, when you're in, the dog is in harness and you're in class, um, you will be walking down streets and your instructor will be 50 yards behind you, observing you, getting you to get trust that dog. And up along some driveway down the way, um, a car will pull out in front of you and the, it's the job's duty to stop. Now that driver is someone from the agency. They're not going to hurt, hit you, but it's per, if, they, if the dog gets too close or doesn't back up, the passenger and the uh, next to the driver will reach out the window with a roll of this paper back the dog in the nose to reinforce that you need to stop uh, when oh, a car okay. yeah. Oh, okay, so that's very interesting, yeah. 
So um, what advice do you have for anyone out there who's kind of hesitant to go outside, but they really want to go out more and do activities like you do? I think initially if people are uh, really wanting to get out but are uncertain how to do it, especially if you haven't been out in a, in a while or in a new area, find a, a, an activity partner, a buddy, a partner, somebody who would be willing to go with you to get oriented to where you want to go and hang out and do those things. And then once you get maybe that person will want to come with you or maybe you'll just end up doing it once you build your confidence and you get your orientation around those areas. Okay. Yeah, I like that idea. It's, I think that's great to have someone with you to kind of embark on this journey and start just going out and doing things. Um, so now I, I wanted to transition over to your work at the Society for the Blind. So how did you start working at the Society of the, for the Blind? Um, I've been working with Society for the Blind for, well, it's going to be five years this August. And wow. <laughs> prior to that, I've worked in, in other similar agencies all over California. I landed in Sacramento. really like Sacramento. It's a very... Uh, friendly city. Yes, it gets hot in the summer, but I like I like the accessibility of the city. So I was able to get the job in Sacramento. I moved here working with youth and young adults who are also blind and low vision for five years in this current job as a in our careers plus program. Okay, and what do you do at the Society for the Blind? So I work uh, very similar to uh, like a teacher slash career counselor okay. in high school students to really think about what's going to be next for you when you leave high school to college. And when you're in or blind, you have a whole new set of things you have to be prepared for. You have to yeah. learn how your technology is going to work for you when you go to college. If you need to get a, a white cane to get navigating around your campus, we talk about those types of things and what that means. Self-advocacy is a big thing, really being prepared to ask for what you need, accommodation for how to get your, your books either braille or large print. All those things are done for you in high school as a, as a rite of passage as the public law requires to be accommodated. When you go to college, all those things don't happen automatically. So a lot of students don't have the self-advocacy skills needed to be successful in college. In college, you hit the ground running. So we really prepare them for college and the world of work, getting their first job and, and, and succeeding at their first job, building a resume and, and, and passing uh, an interview and, and, letting, and, and showing to the people who are cited that you can work because there's a lot of discrimination out there on why should I hire you? You're blind. I don't know if you can do the job or it's too visual. So we talk about how you convince and how you influence people to hire you. Yeah. And do you mind giving a couple tips here today? How do you um, convince people to hire you? And how do you self-advocate for yourself if you're scared? It, that's a good point. There's a lot of, we do a lot of seminars and workshops and we offer them mm -hmm. free. Now that we're doing things virtually over Zoom, we offer those weekly. But what, what I really tell people is know what you want to do. Uh, you might have two or three different career choices. Work with a career counselor, work with a rehabilitation counselor. If you're blind in California, you can apply for Department of Rehabilitation. And their whole job is to help you get a job. And it might be helping you go to school. And they help you purchase the very expensive talking software 
the Braille uh, materials you need or the Braille devices uh, and other things that you need to do your, your schoolwork and your job successfully. So really dial in and, and know those resources and then convincing someone to, to hire you. It really goes on making eye contact, um, proving to them how you can be an asset to them and, and showing them the technology that you use is what you've done in school to be successful and you can do the same on the job. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so um, I wanted to kind of jump back over to your passions, if that's okay. Um, and so I remember you mentioned to me that you've traveled all over the U.S., Costa Rica, Ireland, Scotland, Italy, um, and you've been meeting new people new, and, yeah. like, looking at new cultures. That's so, like, amazing. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I've, I, like, you, like you said, I have been to Costa Rica, I've been to Ireland, I've been to Scotland, and just my passion to travel, to get out and go is always been that way since I was very young and I remember in high school I went to New York for the holidays from from the day after Christmas to New Year's with our drama class because we wanted to be in Times Square we wanted to see all the play the Broadway plays and just get a sense of what New York City is like in the wintertime and we did it was great and I think that was one of the first trips I did away from my family mm -hmm. um, I would go to summer camp uh, and, you know, there's really not much I want to do. Costa Rica was fun. We did zip lining up in the jungle. And wow. <laughs> that sounds fun. Limitless and, and lots of things. And I like water sports. So anytime I can go canoeing or kayaking, I'm all there. So um, you mentioned in New York you liked watching a lot of Broadway plays. Are there any, like, um, seats that are, like, best for you to sit at? Or can you basically sit anywhere? Well, that was several years ago, but ever since, um, in many cities, like here in Sacramento, um, performing arts become a lot more accessible. So, um, mm -hmm. you know how when you watch TV, see people doing this closed captioning for people who are deaf so they can um, follow along the dialogue? Yeah. Um, we have something called audio description. So you will take a, a non-verbal uh, scene, maybe two people are talking, but then some they're approaching or doing something where there's no dialogue, then the narrator comes in and narrates to you what is happening. Uh, people are looking at a mountain, people are doing this, and they try to avoid the dialogue so they can describe to you the scenes without interrupting the dialogue. Same thing with performing arts, if there's Broadway, if there's a musical, there's a play, um, somebody will interject what's happening uh, up on stage or up on the screen when there's no dialogue. Fill in those blanks for you. Oh, yeah, that's very nice. I never knew about the audio, like, descriptions. Um, and you're kind of like a travel expert. <laughs> you've been to the U.S. and, like, Ireland, Scotland. You've been to so many places. Um, and I know that airports can be, like, very busy with so many people and it's kind of, like, bustling. So um, how do you – do you have any tricks or advice for people who go to the airport? Um, air, when you go to airports, especially the larger airports, if you check in early for your flight, uh, you could get someone from the airline, once you check in at the gate, to come and walk you to your gate and okay. to the bathroom. Um, if, if you're more independent, if you've been to that airport before, you might just use audio cues. You might go, okay, I know the uh, 
TSA check-in is over to my left. If I stay to the right, I can line up and then I'll tell someone in front of me and you know, let me know when they're walking so I don't stand there and pull people up. And then I kind of ask the TSA agents, what, where's gate one versus where's gate 15? And that goes either to your left or to your right or at a different concourse. So sometimes if there's enough people at the airport, you can just ask, am I going the right direction? Yeah, and, th and they're good about like giving like succinct directions and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what advice do you have for people who travel, who want to start traveling a lot? Uh, know your destination, know where you're going, be safe. Don't wear lots of jewelry. Um, you know, put your money in a money belt and, uh, have, have like an emergency system, letting people know where you're going so that if they don't hear from you, they can reach out to you and, mm -hmm. and be smart, be street smart, pack smart. I think we tend to overpack and um, <laughs> yeah. really have a, have a blast and, and, and keep it real simple. And so if you want to bring your guide dog with you when you travel, like are there rules and regulations for that? Like how would that work? Generally, no. I mean, if you do go to places like Hawaii, they have to quarantine your dog or you have to get your dog a variety of shots. Or if you go to certain countries, they have, you have to have a, a, a paper that says your dog is a guide dog but basically domestic travel in the united states um there really isn't a place your dog can't go um other than sometimes they won't be allowed in hospital setting in icu and sometimes you go to a zoo and you're walking around sometimes your dog will actually agitate these new animals so sometimes they recommend that you oh. don't go to the zoo but it's not prohibited it's just it's just more of a encouraged um, but more, pretty much, you can take your dog anywhere. Oh, okay. That's that's nice to know. So, yeah. um, as we're kind of like wrapping up and nearing the end of this podcast, is there any um, advice that we like couldn't cover that you would like to just give to the viewers watching this? Um, you know, it's just really stay. I always tell my students challenge your curiosity. Really okay. look. Stay active, keep your hands in a couple of different things that you're interested in. So if one career doesn't fall through, you have other careers, other interests you can back up on. There should be no reason why you should be bored. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is, I was noticing I'm wearing an Apple Watch and a Fitbit, so they help me track my steps, my activity, my heart rate, my uh, flights climb. So that kind of keeps you motivated. If you like to do outdoors things and you want to be challenged with others, there's groups that you can sign up and do your step count. And, challenge each other for health and activity and, and wellness mm -hmm. and like when you use um like your technology with the apple watch and fitbit are there like screen readers yeah the apple watch will talk to me um and it'll tell me the time it'll even read my emails or give me headlines oh, nice. uh, and the fitbit i can sync with my phone it'll tell me how many steps i did um so that's why i have them both Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, that's really good advice to keep um, like challenging yourself and keep yes. your curiosity alive. Absolutely. All right, so um, I think that's all the questions that I had for you today. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I enjoyed like learning and talking to you. It was a great experience. It was, it was fun, and I, I wish you much success with future uh, interviews. Thank you. Thank you so much.
If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you are notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you're leaving with some great things that will help you see beyond.